we doing, Parkview? We good? Good, good. <clears throat> so good to see you today. And uh, I just do, I want to say hello uh, to all of our campuses, all of our locations out in Homer Glen, New Lenox, Orland Park, those who are watching online. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend because we are continuing this Stranger Things series. We're in week number three. And if you haven't been around here the past couple weeks, what we've been kind of talking about, the theme is, is that there is uh, something supernatural just on the other side. There's another world very near us, but also just beyond us. It's this supernatural world, this mysterious world that we can't always see, but we get glimpses into it sometimes, and we know that it's there. And what we've been doing is just studying different places in the Bible, different stories uh, that are kind of strange and kind of odd. And we're applying those to our lives and seeing what we can learn. Last weekend, if you were around here, uh, Pastor Tim dove into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament of the Bible and talked about the fiery furnace that they were in and how strange that is. It was an incredible message. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to go online and check that out. Today, we're going to bounce into the New Testament of the Bible, and I want to share with you, I think, one of the oddest stories in the New Testament, maybe in the Bible. It's just a strange story, and it's a story, I think you're going to like it, it's a story about what happens when a person gets bored at church. That's what it's all about, okay? So it's in Acts chapter 20 is where it's at. I'm going to read it from my Bible, but it's also going to be up on the screen Let's dive in. Acts chapter 20. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. And Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Now pause right there. You thought Tim and I taught for a long time. He keeps on going until midnight. Next verse, it says, There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. And seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. What a strange story, isn't it? I mean, it's just so odd. And and, and what we maybe think a lot of times is, why is this story even in the Bible? I mean, why do we have stories like this? I mean, why does it even make it in the Bible? And I think the reason is because there's a lot of things, as crazy as it seems, that we can learn about our lives from even a story like this. I think this is part of why I love the Bible, is because it doesn't edit out the stranger things. Today, I want us to see this. I want us to see what's happening in Acts chapter 20 is still something that's happening in our lives and in our world Uh, Today, on all of our campuses around here at Parkview and churches all over the world, let's dig in and let's apply this story to our lives. So the first thing is, if you're taking notes, Eutychus gets bored and falls asleep. That's still happening in churches around, uh, around the world and around the states even today. In fact, think about this, Parkview. Let's just say that uh, when you leave this weekend, you go to one of your friends, a classmate of yours in junior high, high school, uh, a coworker, a neighbor, some family member, something like that, somebody who doesn't go to church. Maybe they used to, but they don't go to church anymore. And you ask them, why is it that you don't go to church 
anymore. And they could just use one word. Most of the time, here's what they would say. I don't go to church anymore, help me with this, because it's just so what? Boring, right? It's just so boring. It's not relevant to me and, and, and that sort of thing. It just doesn't make sense. And, and I, I'll tell you this. I think a lot of times there's some truth to that. I mean, church can be boring sometimes. And I'm not going to ask you to admit this. Don't raise your hands. But uh, I have been to some just very boring churches and, and church services, you know, that just seem to go on and on and on. In fact, one of my favorite uh, comedians does this little bit about getting bored at church or trying to stay awake in church, and I think it would be great just for all of us to get moving in the same direction of what it feels like sometimes this happens to get bored in church. Take a look at this short clip from Mr. Bean. Ah, oh, you know, I think it could be so true uh, sometimes, and that's kind of crazy, but you know what? Uh, there are uh, maybe good reasons, or there are legitimate reasons that people get bored sometimes with church and kind of begin uh, to fall asleep. If you want to write a few of these down in your notes, here's maybe the first thing I can think of, and that would be an unprepared messenger. Uh, sometimes the preacher, the pastor, whoever it is is communicating, maybe you've seen this before, they're just, they're not ready. Uh, they're not prepared. They didn't have time or, or they didn't take time maybe to get ready to, to speak to everybody. And maybe you've experienced that uh, before. Uh, let me ask you this also, just so we can kind of understand some of this. It's not easy to communicate to lots of people and preach in our world uh, today. But do you think it's more difficult to stand on a stage and speak for an hour or to stand on stage and speak for half an hour? An hour or a half an hour? If you think it's probably more difficult to stand up and speak to people for an hour, just clap right where you are, all campuses. Just give a clap if you think for an hour, that would be more difficult, okay? Now, if you think for a half hour, if you think that would be more difficult, just give a clap, okay? <clears throat> all right, those of you who uh, don't want to be asked to clap in church, go ahead, clap, okay? Right, okay, sorry, no. Uh, here, here's the thing. I'm telling you this. It's much more difficult to speak for a short period of time than it is a long period of time. It's so much more difficult to speak for a half hour, a short, concise, well-crafted message. I just, I, I, guarantee, I guarantee it. It's, it's harder to do that. Uh, sometimes uh, people will ask me, Todd, for you, uh, how long does it take you to prepare a message? Uh, like a 25 or 30 minute message or something like that, you know. And, and I can't speak for all pastors, but I can speak for myself and, and say that when I'm preaching and teaching for about a 25 to 30 minute message, it takes me about an hour of preparation for every minute that I'm on the stage. About an hour for every minute. So this weekend I'll be speaking and we'll be studying for about a half an hour, about 30 minutes. So I've had about 30 hours of study and preparation and reading and praying and writing and researching over the course of the last couple of weeks. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's harder and harder to shrink that down and, and it takes time to put it into a small period of time. And, and I'll tell you this, I, I take this very seriously. I don't ever want to stand up on a stage like this in front of all of you and all the time we've taken and, and be unprepared. And I know Pastor Tim feels the same way. We don't ever want uh, this book uh, to be boring. Amen? This is the most exciting, amazing book in the history of the world. 
So we want to take time to think about it and apply it to our lives in, in special good ways. But sometimes that's what happens. The pastor, the preacher, whoever is unprepared and kind of like Paul, they just talk on and on and on. And you're sitting here thinking, land the plane, right? Could somebody just land the plane? But sometimes that's why we get a little bit bored or, or whatever in church. That, that can happen. Here's another reason sometimes that this happens in our lives is that people come primarily to get. We come to church primarily to get. And it is so easy, it's so easy to just come to this church or any other church just to get. Let me play this out for just a moment. You can see how easy this is. As you're arriving here today, and maybe you got here a little bit late, so you had to park further out in the parking lot and you didn't get a great spot. And so you have to walk all the way in and, you know, you're kind of, it's kind of soggy this weekend. You're getting through the rain and, and you get in uh, to the lobby late. And so you don't get any coffee or anything like that because you got in late. And so you're not caffeinated and you go ahead and come in and you get into the auditorium and you realize it's, it's almost full. And, and so you go over to the seat where you usually sit. And guess what? Somebody is already there. And so you're not going to get your seat that you usually set in. And, and the worship time begins. You go to another seat. It's going to be just fine. The worship time begins. And, and you're singing. And it's kind of all going along fine. But pretty quickly you realize, you know what? You're not, you're not going to get to sing your favorite song. It's not going to happen. You're not going to sing your favorite song this week. I know we only have two or three songs. I think this is the second or third song. I'm not going to get to sing my favorite song. And so you just kind of, okay, but I can just go with that. That's going to be okay. And then we get into the teaching time, and you see that little bumper video that comes up, and you realize that we're in the same series this week that we were in last week. And you feel like you really didn't get a lot out of last week, so you're probably not going to get a lot out of this week. And then it comes time for teaching, and I walk out here, and you're not going to get to hear Tim. And so you're thinking, oh, great, this is just super... And you just kind of go with it, and you listen, and then, then this weekend, you, you go out to eat after service with your family or with your friends, and just before the food comes, you kind of say to everybody at the table, so, here's what you say to everybody, so, what did you, uh, what'd you get out of church this weekend, right? What'd you get out of church this weekend? And it's so easy to come to church to get, and you can come to church to get, no doubt about it, but you know what you'll get? Bored. You'll get bored. We don't come to church primarily to get. We come to church primarily to give God praise. Amen? We come to give God honor. We come to give God respect and adoration and affection. That's why we come to give him our time and our energy. If you just come to church, I promise you, if you just come to church to get, you will get bored. Don't, don't just be a spectator at church. Be a participant. Be somebody who dives in and gives honor and glory and praise back to God. And I promise you, it'll help you from getting bored. Here's one other reason that I think people get bored in church. And that is a too safe faith. Their faith is just too safe and so they just get bored with the whole church thing and they end up falling out. Now listen to this, what I'm going to share with you for the next few moments, Parkview. Especially I want you to dial in here with me if you have kids, okay? If you have kids, elementary age, middle school, high school, or if you want to have kids someday, or if you have grandkids, dial in with me here. Because I think this is huge. It's happening in our world today. 
several years ago. I was at a conference, and this guy named Donald Miller was speaking. And Donald Miller was talking about how each one of our lives is like a story. And, and he talked about how it's like a screenplay to a movie. And every day, you and I are writing the script to that movie. We're writing the storyline. And he asked this, what kind of screenplay are you writing? What kind of screenplay are you writing with your life? And then he asked this, would anybody want to watch the movie of your life? Would anybody want to watch that? And then he pointed out that in our lives a lot of times, the very things that we try and avoid in life, the tension, the agony, the pain, the risk, those are also the same things that make our story and our faith so intriguing and so captivating to other people. And he said over and over and over, what kind of story are you writing with your life? What kind of story are you writing with your life? And then he said this, what kind of story are you writing for your family? And that's where I really started to dial in. And I've never forgotten what he said. He began to tell a story at that point about a friend of his. He was a Christian guy, had a family, had several kids. And, and this guy called him on the phone one night because his family was kind of off track. His daughter especially, his daughter in high school, uh, her life was kind of a mess is what he said. She was being disrespectful towards her parents. Her grades, they'd always been good. Her grades were going downhill. She was hanging around a lot of the wrong friends. And, and the biggest thing he said was this, she's dating a guy that's wrong. She's dating the wrong guy. You ever felt that way, dads? Yeah, amen, thank you. He's dating the wrong guy. And, and so he calls up Don and he says, here, listen, this, this dad is perplexed. And he says, what should I do? What do I need to do? And here's what Donald says. He says, you know what? You need to write a better story. You see, what's happened is this. The story of your faith and the story of your family has become too safe. And what's happened is, is the world has written a story. And the world has handed your daughter a script that is full of mystery and intrigue and passion, and danger, and romance, and adventure. And all she has done is traded your story for the story of the world. And he said that. I was blown away. Donald goes on to talk about how this distressed father realized that uh, he was right. He was right. And so he began, even that day, to, to research and to create this new, fresh, exciting, uh, risky, God-honoring story. And, and what he did, kind of to make a long story medium length, um, what he did was he went online and he's looking all around at places that they could dive in and their family could work and serve and that sort of thing. And so he found this little orphanage in Mexico that looks like it probably needs some help. And he got in contact with them and he learned about them and, and he decided that they were gonna kind of adopt this little orphanage in Mexico. And so here's what the dad does. After a few weeks, he pulls his whole, fa whole family together like at the kitchen table for a family meeting. Have you ever done this? You ever pulled the whole family together? Family meeting time. He pulls the family together and he begins to say to them, okay, here's the thing. There's this little orphanage in Mexico and he tells them all about it and he tells them how much they need and, and, and everything that's going on there. And he says, listen, family, for the foreseeable future, we're gonna start giving our best time 
our best energy, our best resources, our best talents to this little orphanage in Mexico. It's going to be amazing. And he lays this whole thing out for his family. And when he gets done sharing, you know what his family does? Here's what his family does. They just, <laughs> they just laugh. They laugh because their family had never really been involved in something like that. They never experienced anything like that. But Donald goes on to say that within a month, less than a month, the family kind of started to turn around. And especially the daughter that was having all those problems. She began now to talk to all of her friends about this crazy adventure that her family is on. She began to post about it in all of her social media. She began to be more respectful towards her parents. And then here's the big one. That guy she was dating, she broke up with him because he didn't, he didn't get it anymore. And that's so amazing. I'm sitting there at that conference several years ago this has happened, and I'm listening to this, and I'm, I begin to think in my life, what kind of story am I writing for my family? What kind of story am I writing for my kids? Is it full of adventure and passion and mystery and risk and romance, sacrifice? Or, to be truthful, is the story that I'm writing more easy, protected, Kind of just kind of predictable, safe, boring. What kind of story am I writing? And it challenged me so much that I want to tell you, I decided on that, that day, that week, that I want to begin to write such a risk-filled, captivating, God-honoring story that my family and my kids would never choose to trade it for the destructive story of the world. That's what I want to be about. What about you? What kind of story are you writing with your life? What kind of story are you writing for your family? I promise you, Parkview, listen, listen. I promise you one of the main reasons that people, young adults, kids, parents, you name it, one of the main reasons people get bored and begin to fall out of church is just because their faith becomes too safe. Kind of becomes boring. It's kind of predictable and that sort of thing. The same thing that's happening in our lives is happening in this story, right? Eutychus gets bored. He begins to fall asleep. That happens to us. We start to get a little bit bored. What happens next? Here's what happens next in the story. Eutychus exits the church, right? I mean, literally, he's in a third-story window, and he falls out the window. He literally exits the church. Here's my guess. My guess is that, that many of you know somebody that for some reason, all kinds of reasons, has exited the church. You probably know somebody, maybe it's a friend, a classmate, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody that uh, used to be around here a few months ago, or even a, a year or so ago, and, and now they're, they're just not here anymore. And the question is this, the question we have to ask is, why is that? You probably have that person in your mind, maybe it's somebody in your family. Why, why, is, why do people fall out? And I think the answer is actually pretty simple. The answer is actually that it's, it's just infinitely easier to quit than it is to endure. It just is. It's easier to just quit on something when it doesn't work for you anymore. It's, it's easier to just throw in the towel when you're like, you know what, I, just, I don't think I like this anymore. I'm just, I'm just going to be done with it. And, and guess what? The world we live in glamorizes this, by the way. The world that you and I live in popularizes just, hey, if you're done with it, just be done. Just quit. 
just throw in the towel. And you and I, we've probably seen this so many times as adults, as students, as whatever. You've seen it so many times you don't even recognize it. It's the television show, right? Let me give you just one example. There's many that I could give. It's the TV show where there's tension. You're watching this show and there's tension between the employer and the employee. And as the tension is building, you know, they're arguing back and forth and the camera's coming in on all these angles. And as they start to get more and more in this argument, the music begins to build in the background. Right, And all of a sudden, this employee gets completely upset, and, and the camera comes in tight, and you see like the, the blood vessels popping out in their neck, and the music hits a crescendo. And as it hits a crescendo, the employee screams out, I quit! And the camera pulls out, and the music fades, and they go to a commercial break. And at that moment, that's when people watching that show all across our country say, yes. Yes, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do with my boss. Someday I'm going to do that. I want to quit in front of an audience in HD with the sounds of a stringed orchestra. Right? That's what I want to do. I want to do that. That would feel so good. That would be amazing. And, and you know what? It, it may feel good. It may, it may be great to tell your boss off or something like that. But, but what happens is, is we forget that that guy is probably now unemployed. He's probably now unemployed. This is just a TV show. This isn't real life. But you know what the world says? The world says this. Hey, says, listen, listen, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Just think about that sweet, sweet moment when you decide to quit, throw in the towel. It's not working for you anymore. Move on to something else. And that's what we see a lot of times all around us. You know, I talk to people all the time in, in church, and I've been part of church and leading in churches for 20, 25 years, and I have all kinds of people who kind of justify and rationalize falling out of church or falling out of faith and that sort of thing. I have, you know, coffees, people and things like that. And, and uh, here, here's what oftentimes happens. Here's what people say to me. Maybe you've said this before or you've had people say this to you. The reason I'm not at church anymore, the reason I don't go to Parkview, or the reason I'm not a person of faith anymore is because the church is just what? You, you know what I'm saying? The church is just full of a bunch of hypocrites. It's just a bunch of hypocrites there, so I'm not, not going to go anymore and be a part of that. And I'm not going to be a person of faith because it's just hypocrites anyway. And listen, I get that. There is some, definitely some truth to that. There are a lot of hypocrites who go to church. There are probably a lot of hypocrites around on our campuses this weekend and all across the country. I, I get that. That is true. But, but, but listen, catch this part. If you, let me put something up on the screen for you here. Now, let's say that you let that be your excuse about all the hypocrites who are around church or hypocrites who are in faith. Let me ask you this. What happens if you let a hypocrite come in between you and God? Who's closer to God? The hypocrite's still closer to God. The hypocrite's still closer to God. Don't let the reason that you fall out of church or fall out of faith or quit going or throw in the towel, oh, it's just a bunch of hypocrites there. They aren't really saying what they believe or whatever. The hypocrite's still closer to God. And listen, here's, here's the thing. For some of you, listen, I, I know as we're jumping into this, this strange, strange story, you may feel like I'm speaking directly to you today. And, and the truth is, you wouldn't want to stand up and admit this. You wouldn't want anybody to know this, that this would be a private thing in your life. If, if, if anybody knew it, you would be terrified. 
But the truth is, maybe it's gotten a little bit bored in your faith. It's gotten a little bit stale for you. You've been doing this for a while. It's kind of routine. And you just feel like you got a little bit bored. I just feel like it's my duty to tell you that if you start to get a little bit bored and you start to fall out, you need to know what happens next. I think it's my duty to warn you of what happens after you get bored and you fall asleep and you fall out. Take a look at what happens to Eutychus. Eutychus dies. Eutychus dies. A lot of times when a person falls out of church, falls out of faith, they, they die. Now, now, not always physically speaking. I understand that. I'm not, we're in a supernatural Stranger Things series, right? I'm not just talking about the physical world. I'm talking about the spiritual world. Now, sometimes when people fall out of faith or fall out of church, they do. They go to things, and that does cost them their life. They do die. But, but a lot of times, it's just spiritually speaking. A lot of times, they die spiritually. You know, I've, I've never seen anybody in my life fall out of church and fall more in love and devotion with God. I just, I just haven't seen it. And the reason is because a lot of times when a person, a young person or an adult, when, when, when we fall away from church or away from God, we fall into sin or other things like that. And take a look what James says in the Bible. James chapter 1, verse 15. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. A lot of times, for you and for me, I know this is what happens with me. When I, when, when I get in those places with God or I get in those places with church and I start to fall out or I start to get away a little ways, when there starts to get to be some separation, I start to fall into some things that I shouldn't be in. And those desires, a lot of times those desires lead to those sinful things and those sinful things lead to death in our lives. And so there's a very valuable lesson that we can learn this weekend from Eutychus and this story in Acts chapter 20, this strange story. And, and the good thing we can learn is this, that when you start to feel like you're getting a little bored, be careful. Because the next thing that could happen is you could fall out. You could exit faith. You could exit the church for a week or two. It's not a big deal. It's been three weeks and then it's been three months and then a year. You, you exit. And then that could cause you, spiritually speaking, to, to die, to not be alive, to not be vibrant anymore in your relationship with God. And here's the thing, if this strange story was left just like that, it'd be pretty sad, wouldn't it? It'd be pretty depressing. You'd be going, thank, oh, Todd, thank you so much for that awful story. We love you. We love when you're here. We just love it. We love it. We love it. No, no. But it doesn't end that way. The story doesn't end that way. And the whole reason that I even share and preach this message today is because of the way it ends. Take a look at this, Acts chapter 20, verse 10. But Paul went down. And threw himself on the young man. So, so he gets bored, he gets asleep, he falls out of the third story window and he's dead. Paul went down and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. He's alive. Catch what's going on. This, this kid gets bored, falls out, dies. Paul quits preaching finally for a little bit. He runs out there, he, he puts his arms around him and says, hey, 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 guess, guess what? It's okay, it's okay, just kidding. He's alive. He's alive. And listen, my whole, my whole passion to preach this message to you today is to come uh, to this one place, to come to this, this, this one point. It's not just because it's an odd, strange story that, that fits with the series, though, though, though it does. My whole reason to, 
to preach and share this with you today is, is simply to say this, that all it, understand this, all it may take to restore life to a person who's fallen out of church, literally, who's fallen away from faith, all it may take for you to restore life to them is for somebody to go put their arms around them. Just sit in that for a minute. Just marinate in that story, in that moment. Sometimes all it takes to bring a person back to life in Christ Jesus is for somebody to go put their arms around them. And they're back. What does that look like? What does that look like in, in real life for us, like, like this week coming up? It could be simple or it could be very intense. Let me just walk through this and, and then we'll leave and step out into our week with this idea and this truth. A simple thing that this might look like is, is even today sending a text or, or an email to somebody. Even after the service is over, you're walking out of uh, service uh, today and, and you go out to your car. And before you start your car and, and head off somewhere, you just get on your phone and you just send a text. There's somebody that, that hasn't been here for a few weeks or a month. You haven't seen them. And so you just send them a text that says, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm just leaving Parkview today and I haven't seen you for a few weeks. And I just wanted to let you know that I miss you. Send. Let me tell you, you never know. You never know what a well-timed text or email like that can mean to a person. It's like virtually putting your arms around them. Because they're sitting there thinking, you know what, honestly, I, I didn't think anybody even cared. I didn't even think anybody knew I was gone. Or maybe it's having a coffee with somebody. That's pretty simple. This week you could schedule a coffee with somebody and, and you know they've fallen away. You know they're not a part of the church maybe anymore. And you go and you just say, hey, I just want to hear your story. I just want to hear where you're at. I, I don't want to judge you. Amen? We're not judging people. I just want to love you. I just want to listen to you. And then that coffee for that person could be you putting your arms around them and them going, you know what, man, maybe I'll, I don't know, maybe I'll be back. It could be simple. Or it could be intense. It could cost you something. Maybe some of you have friends or family members in another part of the country, in another state. Maybe they're in Dallas or maybe they're in Detroit or maybe they're in L.A. or maybe they're in, you know, down in Florida somewhere or Kansas City. And you have a friend in one of those cities and, or a family member and, and they have fallen out of church, no doubt about it. They, they are mad at God. You know it. They are mad at God. And so maybe what you could do sometime in the next week or month is you could save up some money and you could buy a plane ticket. And this is going to cost you probably five or 600 bucks to get to some of those places. But you get a plane ticket and you fly to Dallas so you can go see that friend who you know is mad at God. And when you get to Dallas, you're also going to have to rent a car. So that's probably another hundred bucks. So you're in this for like six or 700 bucks now, okay? But, but you're six or 700 bucks in and you get to their house and you just knock on their door and they open the door and they're like, What? And you just say something like, you know what, I know. I know you've kind of lost faith in God, but I want you to know that God has not lost faith in you. 
and neither have I. And I'm just here to talk to you about it. What could that mean? Are you kidding me? You flew here? Talk about putting your arms around someone. And five or 600 bucks is a lot of money. But let me ask you something. If you bring them back to life and bring them back to faith, well, what does that, what does that mean in eternity's sake? All it takes sometimes is for us to put our arms around someone. It brings them back to life. So here's the next step today. It's very easy. Next step is this. Who do you need to bring back to life? Who do you need to bring back to life this week? Who has God put in your head that you could send a text to or an email or get in your car or get on an airplane and, and go see him? Who's, who's fallen out of church, fallen out of faith? Isn't it so strange that God would use people like us to bring other people back to life? It's so strange, but it's true. Amen? Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity we have to study and look at a place in the Bible that is so applicable to our lives. It's just it's right where we live in this day and age. It's, it's easy for, for us to get distracted by all kinds of things. It's easy for us to get bored with all kinds of things, especially faith and especially church. It can just get routine. God, I pray that we would guard against that. And not only guard against that in our own lives, I pray that we would be on the lookout for others that we know and care about who have fallen out. And God, I pray that you would use us to put our arms around them and that we might be able to bring them back to life. God, we know it's you who gave them life. We know it's your son Jesus who gave them life. But God, that you would use us to bring them back to that is amazing kind of rescue them from that grave, it's amazing. Let us be those kind of people this week. In Jesus' name, amen.